Welcome to Double Technical Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Lucas Fryman. I hope everyone had a fantastic week, and I hope everyone is already having a great start to their new year. And uh, we're, we're doing the show a little bit old-fashioned. I am joined for the entire show today by a man who's not starting off the year so well as he is trapped inside of a well. At least... <laughs> It's it sounds like it, but really he's just renovating his basement. I am joined by Brian. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing all right, man. It's really echoing in here, and it's really weird, but uh, it's it'll improve by March. So that's key. By the time, well, I guess by the, really by February. But by the time these walls get painted, we get some floors and some furniture in here. We'll be we'll be doing just fine. <laughs> it's all right. We'll 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 survive. But I. I <laughs> I hope I hope I uh, made for a better intro than I did last week because that was just an atrocity. I had some complaints you, about it. It was bad. <laughs> I think you just lo- I think you just got lost, man. It's okay. <sighs> I'm just glad you're so understanding, <laughs> sir. All right. So as always, we usually talk about uh, the local teams to start the show, but really quickly, I just wanted to talk about a major story in sports that happened this week that. Um, everybody can relate to and that it touches on everybody uh, me and brian um uh, everyone is familiar i'm sure with tyler trent he was a big purdue fan um he you know just super passionate about them and sadly he was diagnosed with a rare uh, terminal bone cancer and uh on new year's day uh he succumbed to his ailments um and died at the age of 20 and um the whole entire Purdue family and and the whole sports world honestly mourned um, with his family. And, you know, we just wanted to do our part and to say, you know, that we, you know, we wish the best for his family during this hard time. You know, our condolences are with them. And, you know, we, we just hope that cancer is something that we can, you know, strike down. He started a, um, research endowment called the Tyler Trent Cancer Research Endowment, and that has already raised more than a hundred thousand dollars. And um, they are a direct uh, line that's also working with the Jimmy V Foundation to fight cancer. And so, me and Brian just wanted to send, um, you know, like I said, our deepest condolences to his family and friends, um, as he was truly a great person, uh, really fun to see. Um, and you know, he, he's honestly where I think Purdue got enough strength, strength to beat Ohio state. Um, Brian, you know, I want to give the floor to you, anything that you would like to say about this matter as well. Yeah. I mean, Tyler Trent's one of those guys that he, he's, he's a, he's a confinder, um, uh, of the fact that you can just be a fan of the sport and enjoy the sport and, and take all the drama and the nonsense out of it and just have fun supporting who you want to support. Um, and we need more people like that. And I think Tyler Trent was a, was a nice stalwart and a constant reminder that uh, ultimately it, it's a game, um, at, you know, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, whatever sport you're a fan of, uh, it, it's a game and it, it's a fun thing to be a part of and it's fun to support. And, and yeah, it's, it's just enjoying, enjoying life to its fullest. Um, no matter what may be going on, you just have to enjoy what's, what's, what's in front of you. Um, and, and Tyler Trent was a, was a very, very excellent reminder of that, um, that life is to be enjoyed over and over again. So Sad to see him go, but but thankful for the fact that we, that the world got to know Tyler Trent uh, as a human being. Definitely, he 
he is definitely going to be one of those people who fall in the line with that of Jimmy V, you know, never will be forgotten, you know, his absolutely what, what he's done and what he will continue to do, even though he is, you know, not here with us, you know, he'll, he'll have a great effect on future lives to come. Hundred percent, and um, yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to be a sports fan, thanks to guys like Tyler Trent. So definitely. All right, so now let's jump into the local portion, and the local portion, as always, is brought to you by SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com, and uh, they sell everything, man. They sell uh, concert tickets, sports tickets, anything that has a ticket. I'm pretty sure they sell it. And if you use code Double Technical, you can save twenty dollars off your first ticket purchase. Why not? Uh, some, I say, some of the fans have used it. Let's make it all the fans use it. You know, why don't everyone save twenty bucks? Use code Double Technical. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was kind of stumbling there, so I was like, you know, just stop, Lucas. Just stop. So just stop, Lucas. Just just know that you're gonna save twenty bucks when you go to Seeky.com and you, and you use uh, Double Technical as your promo code. See, this is this is why you're my partner in crime, man. You're just so smooth. <laughs> All right, so to start the local portion, we're going to talk about Kentucky football. Kentucky was able to take down Penn State on New Year's Day, 27-24. to It was closer than I thought it was going to be as UK took an early lead and really was looking dominant. We kind of, you know, stumbled to the end of the game. But the great thing is that we got the ball back with four um, – Four minutes left with the game at 27 to 24, and we were able to just run it down their throats with Benny Snell and keep the ball out of their hands to win the game. Brian, what was your takeaway on UK getting their first 10-win season in over, geez, what has it been, 40 years? Dare I say, Lucas, that we watched one of, if not the greatest, Kentucky football team in program history, dare I say that? Um, I could agree it, with I, that. I, it, in in my years as a Kentucky and Kentucky fan overall, but Kentucky football fan, I don't think I'd ever been so excited for a season um, than this one. I mean, I I couldn't have a million years thought Kentucky would have a possibility to crack the top ten and even possibly get themselves into playoff contention. Uh, and we were very, very close this season. Um, Kentucky was one of the better teams in the SEC. Uh, the twenty-five game or twenty-five season losing streak against Florida was snapped, um, and we saw two of the greatest players in program history, and Benny Snow and Josh Allen, complete their careers the best way they possibly could have. So I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't be more thankful um, to have watched this football team um, over the season and and close out their season and prove that Kentucky basketball deserves to be in top fifteen uh, contention year after year after year by beating a team who is in the upper echelon of the Big Ten in Penn State. Um, just to kind of break down the game a little bit, uh, it was really great to see Ben Snow um, break the break the all time Kentucky rushing record. Um, yeah, him falling to his uh, knees there. It was so great that he broke it on a touchdown too. Like that was oh, 100%. beautiful. Absolutely, it was so great. Uh, yeah, it, 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 he really, he really deserved that. There, there are very few deserving athletes than uh, than, than Benny Snell. He, he really, 
he really earned earned uh, every single yard that he got this season. He put the team on his back and and and, and put Kentucky football on the map, and and that was great. Um, yeah, as you said, Kentucky started really hot. A twenty seven seven lead against a Big Ten team is no joke. But as many Big Ten team programs, including Penn State, are to do, they they made the game competitive. Um, and I think I, I was I was I was I was messaging you live. I was sending you Facebook messages live saying, listen, Penn State just gave Kentucky the ball back 27 to 24, where Benny Snell was the only thing holding Kentucky away from a victory. And the moment that they gave the offense enough time with the ball, I knew that Kentucky had that game locked up. So it was was just a really great way to cap off a season where Kentucky really proved themselves as, um, as a top program in college football. And it's really exciting to see that season. So I'm excited. I'm happy. I loved it. Yeah, I uh, I'll definitely agree. Like, just the the fact of seeing double digits in the win column says a lot. You know, we've had oh, decent, absolutely. You know, we've had decent UK teams. We've had UK teams that have went on to win bowl games, but ten wins in college football in this day and age in the SEC that is a, a very big accomplishment. Also, I gotta point out real quick, sir, to correct you. Uh, we are talking about Kentucky football, not Kentucky basketball. Did I say basketball? You did a couple times. Whoops! <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good. But it's it's especially as as you've seen college basketball or college basketball <laughs> as you've seen college football evolve as a sport. Um, I feel like the double-digit season has been taken for granted as you see teams. I mean, in the mid-2000s, it was USC uh, and Texas, and Oklahoma was up there. And then recently, it's been Alabama dominating. Uh, Ohio State's been up there for a while. You've seen teams get double-digit seasons, and people start to take for granted how difficult a double-digit season uh, win season is in college football. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Kentucky to do that for the first time and 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 god knows how many years um it's 40 it's really something but yeah that's (laughs) really that should be proof enough too because kentucky's has some great football teams with some great athletes that never got their double digit wins you have like that has to be taken into account when you think about the momentous occasion that it is that kentucky got to the 10 win season so i I, mark mark stoops has done amazing with this program and i'm so excited to have him as a head coach yeah he I I think he's grown with the program, which is why it's been so successful. Um, and little side note, I, I sent you this earlier today, and I'd love to uh, share this with uh, the whole show. The a great tweet by Mark Story at Mark C Story on Twitter, because I don't want to take credit for this factoid, even though it is a great factoid. Um, take this for what it's worth, but the only two other times before the season that Kentucky won 10 football games, which they won 11 in 1950 and 10 in 1978, the UK men's basketball team went on to win the NCAA championship in that same school year. So... Uh, everybody, Lucas, dare I say you might be a believer in the basketball team thanks to the football season, huh? Yes, I, I, <laughs> I am now a believer thanks to statistics and God. Okay, so... <laughs> Um, <laughs> but we are going to talk about basketball here in just a moment, but before that, you, you kind of mentioned it. This program has seen some of his historically best players ever 
in Benny Snell Jr. and Josh Allen. Um, obviously, they're done. Um, they're moving on to the NFL draft. What do you see happening to them come draft day? And do you see them being successful in the NFL? How quickly will they be in? Or, or just kind of what your if you just had to give a little bit of a prediction on what's going to happen to them going forward. So obviously we still, we still have to see pro days happen. We still have to see the combine and what have you. There's still some, some, some things that, that are there, but right now as they stand as athletes, uh, I'll kind of go in order. I'll, I'll talk about Josh Allen first. Josh Allen is a top 15 pick. No doubt. Um, Josh Allen is, is more than capable of becoming a, 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 perennial starter on an NFL roster. Um, he, he's, he's so explosive off the line. He's a nightmare for defenses, uh, and he's so athletic. And it really makes him a special player. At the He kind of shades between the defensive and outside linebacker role. He can play a little bit of coverage, but really where his, his specialty is is pass rushing. And that's why I put him in the top 15, dare I say even the top 10 uh, in the NFL draft. Um, Mel Kuyper currently has him top five. Yeah, I mean, and that's no surprise because right now the the big thing in the NFL is getting to the quarterback. Um, pressure pressuring the quarterback in the NFL is is key. That's that's one of the biggest priorities, if not the biggest priority in the NFL, other than having a, a quarterback that wins. Um, so right now, defensive ends, defensive tackles, they're invaluable to, to NFL defenses. And Josh Allen is, is, is as far as this season has been concerned, the best defender in college football. So a hundred percent, he should be in the top 10, top five conversation. And so long as he backs that up in the, uh, in the combine and at UK's pro day, then I, I fully believe that, that Josh Allen can, can, be a star in the NFL, uh, provided he goes to the right program and develops under the right coaching. Um, as far as Benny Snell goes, ben, Benny Snell's a top 10 running back. Um, he, I, I won't put him – running backs in the NFL are tricky. Um, in order to be a, 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 a definite first-rounder as a running back in the NFL, you have to be outrageously good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, and we're talking like – Alvin Kamara good in college. We're talking Adrian Peterson in college. That's if you want to be a top running back, you have to be that good as a running back. And obviously Benny Snell is, a, is an outrageous talent, but he's not quite at that level. Uh, and he never got a chance to prove himself at that level. So be, but uh, out of college football running backs going into the draft, I will put Benny Snell up there in the top 10 of available running backs. Uh, I, I've had him kind of shading between, you know, maybe the the fourth best running back to the seventh best running back in the draft. Where that puts him in my eyes would would probably be anywhere uh, between the second and third round, Um, probably upper echelon third round. Um, Teams necessarily aren't in heavy need for a running back. But where Benny Snell can benefit is that he'll get an opportunity to get onto a roster, maybe back up somebody who who is established as a starting NFL running back, and then eventually take a job in the NFL. I think Benny Snell is the prototypical uh, NFL running back as far as if you need to change a pace where you need to develop a running game, Benny Snell is the guy to do that with. Uh, 5'11", 223 pounds, a ton of muscle down low, can get low and can get yards very quickly. And that is what NFL teams are looking for in a running back. And he's he's definitely 
useful in the passing game as has been proven this season, uh, which of course is another facet to becoming a prototypical NFL running back. I do think that his, uh, his receiving ability uh, should and needs to improve um, to kind of raise his stock as a running back. Uh, his ability in the passing game should, should improve, but it definitely needs to. Um, but I, I would, I would definitely say upper echelon third round. And I think he can have a sustainable career in the NFL. Now, my only thing, kind of playing devil's advocate here, um, you kind of mentioned it too. It's kind of a weird point in the NFL right now. I remember when running backs were a commodity. You needed a good running back. And now it almost is like, no, as long as you have a good offensive line and a good play caller, anybody can jump in and run for a, a buck 25. So how does Benny really... You know, I, I you kind of alluded to it how he can get his chance and hopefully take over then, but what can he really prove or provide to a team right off the bat that would make him interesting? Is it is it the fact that he is more of a uh, power back and we don't have too many power backs in the NFL right now? It's it it's just between the tackles running that makes him immediately impactful. Um, a lot of running backs. Uh, aren't as north-south. I mean, we even have one in Cincinnati and Joe Mixon. He's not necessarily a north-south running back. Um, That's not a common thing in the NFL anymore, just to have a guy who will go right up the middle uh, and will get five yards in a a one-second, two-second long play. And Benny Snell is that guy, and that's an immediate impact he can provide to any NFL roster. Um, Now, where he can have – where sustainability can improve is if he can – round that off with being able to run an outside off-tackle run, being able to run a, a pitch play, being able to run a swing pass or a, or a shovel pass. Um, that's where the, those are if, – if I had to necessarily point them out as weaknesses, which I can't really point out major weaknesses in Benny Snell's abilities, where I would say his quote-unquote weaknesses are from a draft stock standpoint, it's that he doesn't have a large sample size of proven ability – to uh, to run swing routes, to run you know outside off tackle routes. He's a between the tackles north south runner, and and right now that's not necessarily on the top of a team's list, but it's certainly a value uh, as far as running back depth goes. All right, I mean I would love to see both of them. Obviously Josh Allen's going to go high, but I'd love to see Benny go high and be really effective. Oh, it all depends on it all depends on pro day and it depends on the combine. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. So, um, moving on from Kentucky football, let's talk about Kentucky basketball. Kentucky coming off the victory over Loserville. Um, we are <laughs> going <laughs> that, that. You know what? I shouldn't have even said that because they're not that great of a team this year. So I shouldn't have even taken it that seriously. Stop um, it! Stop it! Stop it! No remorse. Okay, no okay. Okay. Thank you. Power. Okay. Um, Thank you. No, they're they're that <laughs> trash team from that trash city, and <laughs> that in that trash part of Kentucky. They're not. Yeah. No. You're actually. It's okay. Fun little factoid. Uh, while we're talking about this, um, and when I do uh geo search on most of our like people who like our stuff and listen to our stuff, there's more in Louisville than Lexington. Good. Good. We should be flooding them with blue. Oh, I want the entire city of Louisville to turn blue. I want them to start painting the KFC Yumps if they could. 
you're uh, ridiculous. Let's, you're ridiculous, uh, man. Okay. Anyway. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed at all. I know you're not. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> all right. Anyways, <laughs> UK basketball. They have a game to, uh, tomorrow versus Alabama. Uh, Alabama is nine and three. Kentucky's obviously ten and two. Uh, Alabama's not currently ranked. UK's ranked thirteenth. And the odd makers at ESPN are giving Kentucky a sixty point three percent chance to win the game. Um, Brian, Alabama is one of those sneakily good teams, in my opinion. Um, they, they used to not be competitive in years past and they really have worked their way up to be a team you have to respect going into this game. What does UK need to do to make sure that Alabama doesn't sneak up and steal one from them? Well, um, right now, I think as far as where Alabama scares me the most, I mean, Every Johnson's a great coach. I will say that. That's really what Alabama's been setting themselves up so far uh, for success is having a great coach in Avery Johnson. But I'd say um, uh, the, 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 two, the two school guys right now for Alabama are Keir Lewis Jr. and John Petty, and they're in the starting five. The biggest thing is going to be wearing those guys down. Um, those guys are, are the, I don't want to say the only scoring threats, but the biggest scoring threats. They're not pass first, uh, backcourt guys. They are, they are shoot first guys. So it's just a matter of giving them ball pressure on on the arc and not letting them drive and score. And I think we absolutely have the, not, not only the guard depth and the guard talent on defense, just keep them from doing that. But Kentucky's got tremendous download pressure as far as not letting you get in and get an easy layup. Um, Alabama's not the best team um, to uh, as far as free throw shooting goes, so forcing them to go to the line necessarily isn't a bad thing here. Um, uh, I would I would necessarily I, I would not be opposed to possibly double teaming Kira Lewis Jr. He scored uh, 17 points in six of their games this season, um, which is well over 50 percent of the games that they've played. Um, so I, I, well, it is 50% of the, the games they played, they're nine and three, but I, I would say I wouldn't be opposed to, to pressuring Kira Lewis Jr. Very, uh, very heavily. Um, and, uh, I, John Petty isn't having the season so far that he did when he had Colin Sexton. Um, but he's still a threat to score from, 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 uh, from out deep. But, uh, the thing about John Petty is he he's very streaky. So if you let John Petty get on a roll, he'll start killing you. So it's just a matter of early pressure on both of those guys, not letting them score quickly. Uh, and 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 I mean, honestly, I just want to see Ashton Higgins steal the ball from him a million times, just because I'm in love with <laughs> Ashton Higgins. I'm in love with Ashton Higgins as a basketball player. I think, uh, not even because I he's, think all he's of UK not, fell in love with him recently. Absolutely. But it's not even about the fact that he's a he's a lights out scorer. He's putting tremendous numbers up. The guy's just his defensive pressure is outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous. We're talking about a guy who had what eight steals two games ago? Yeah, against eight UNC. Ste- eight steals against the Tar Heels. That's tremendous. That is absolutely fantastic, and that is a that is an an overlooked thing in college football or college. I did it. I did it backwards. <laughs> that is an overlooked thing in college basketball is defensive pressure, um, and and Ashton Higgins is one of the best in the country to do it. So uh, I'm looking for him to to not allow 
the uh, the tremendous backcourt in Alabama to, to score a lot of points. I'm I'm looking for for Kentucky to, to pressure, uh, force early turnovers, score in transition, and and I think Kentucky's going to run away with this one. So if you got to give a score, what do you think the final score would be? I would say Kentucky wins this game. Uh, I'm going to go with 85 to 65. I'm going to say it's a 20 point win in Kentucky's Kentucky's favor. Okay. I know. It's SEC basketball. I know it's conference play, but I am so confident in this team after the back-to-back wins against UNC and Louisville and the dominant fashion that Kentucky played. Kentucky put themselves on the map as a basketball team again after dominating Louisville. This team has learned how to play together. They are starting to mature. I'm really excited to see this team play in the SEC. It is. Uh, it's going to be interesting. SEC um, conference play is the thing that's worried me the most about the season because the SEC has actually become, you know, competitive again. Uh, there was a lull there for a while where it was really only UK, maybe Tennessee and Florida. Um, so it's going to be a tough battle. I, I don't think it's going to be a twenty point blowout, but I do think UK goes in there and takes care of business in. Uh, you know, keeps chugging along and moves to 11 and two uh, before we got to go up against the next opponent. So that is everything as far as UK that I wanted to cover next really briefly. I'm going to cover uh, NKU uh, and I say briefly because I'm so frustrated. <sighs> Come on Norse. I've, I've been really falling in love ever since Mr. Phil Deshar, you know, asked us to cover them and I'm so glad he did because I've just become way more passionate about whether they win or lose and I I really thought that they were going to be able to go into Oakland and take care of business but instead uh, they dropped to Oakland last night 76 to 74 um, game came down to the wire and ultimately we gave up a three without a minute uh, with about a minute 23 left for them to go up by one and for some reason we decided to try to chuck up two threes when we had the ball rather than trying to get a good shot when we're only down by one Um, we fouled them late which is how they got up to 76 and ultimately we were not able to do enough to win this game and now uh, NKU drops to 12 and 4 um and it's just it's it's frustrating cuz those are games that you have to win um but Oakland has been tough on their home court they have not lost on their home court but it, when you have those moments where we we had 21 fouls comparatively to 14 that that's stuff that's obviously going to hurt you we allowed them to shoot almost 50% from three. That's another killer. Um, and when Drew McDonald only gets you 13, Sharp gets you 14, and uh, Robinson only gets you 10, that's going to be a game that's hard to win, and you cannot blow a 10-point second-half lead. And this is this is one that stings, but this is one that Northern Kentucky is hopefully going to learn from as they uh, take on Detroit Mercy coming this Saturday at Detroit, uh, which NKU is a 73.4% favorite in that matchup. So hopefully we get back on the right track from there. Um, Now, the thing that I've been really waiting to dive into with Mr. Brian Goins, the Bengals. So everyone heard my opinion, my take on Marvin Lewis being fired slash release slash whatever you want to call it. Okay. He is no longer the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Brian, I want to give you the floor for just a moment to tell me your thoughts in the audience, your thoughts on this whole ordeal. So I touched on it on Twitter for a little bit, uh, just when the news broke. Um, I, I'll go into a little bit of detail. Um, Marvin Lewis, as far as becoming a great uh transitional uh, transition from from the dark ages uh, of the Bengals um, obviously you and I didn't didn't have much of an opportunity to live through the dark ages of the 90s and the, and, and the very very early 2000s Thankfully. but um, right but the the culture the culture of the football team uh, in Cincinnati through th- those years was absolutely horrendous um, and Marvin Lewis came in and immediately turned that around. He took a team that had back-to-back two and 14 seasons, made them eight and eight, and then three years after that with, with Carson Palmer, Chad Ochocinco, or Chad Johnson at the time, <laughs> TJ, TJ Hushmanzada, uh, Chris Perry, Chris Henry, Rudy Johnson, he took those guys and he made them AFC North champions, and he took them to the playoffs and gave them a real opportunity to – be contenders for the Super Bowl. Now, the Bengals were contenders, or at least in the upper echelon of the AFC, for a number of years after that, from 2005 to to essentially 2009. Um, the Bengals, the, the talk of the town was, can the Bengals win the AFC North and get their playoffs, uh, their playoff win against the Steelers? And that never really came to fruition. And then 2010 happened after the relationship with Carson Palmer got strained. Um, we were out of starting quarterback. The motivation of the team was at an all-time low, uh, and we posted up a, a, a dud of a season in 2010. Right there, I, I necessarily wasn't calling for Marvin Lewis's head, but it felt like there might have been a change in a change in guard in Cincinnati, and I think. Rather than changing head coaches, the Bengals let him have an opportunity to build his own roster again. And he did so with Andy Dalton and A.J. Green and, and, and started building around those guys. He built a fantastic defense revolving around guys like Domita Pecco, Vontez Perfect, um, Gino Atkins, Carlos Dunlap. He, he built another great defense. And then we had another opportunity to become the talk of the town. Uh, come 2015, the Bengals were another playoff contender. And Andy Dalton goes down, A.J. Green takes over, but this team still has an opportunity to win in the playoffs. Again, the thing I stress is that the culture of the team was supposed to have been different and was supposed to have been a winning mentality. And ever since that season in 2015, I felt like the Bengals not necessarily didn't revert back to a a losing mentality, but... It, it, it went back to the status quo of the Bengals are never going to be contenders. And right there, that point alone is where I think Marvin Lewis's tenure as head coach went on for far too long as a, as a coach in the NFL, as a coach for an organization that he never he, – not only did he – he said the ultimate goal was to win the Super Bowl. He not only, not only didn't take them to the Super Bowl, he didn't even win a playoff game. And, and while I'm overtly appreciative of the fact that – the Bengals were serious contenders in the regular season. It matters in the playoffs. And that right there is where I think it went on far too long with Marvin Lewis. He, 
is an absolute legend when it comes to Cincinnati football. And I will never take that away from him. But it did get tarnished by the end of his career um, for allowing his tenure as a head coach to go on for too long. Yeah. So that, that, that... thankful thankful for Marvin Lewis as a coach. Um, it went on for too long, and I'm happy to see something change. Yeah, that was my stance. My whole thing is I'm just afraid – you know, we we hear stories about how he was also limited in a lot of things that he tried to do and tried to instill because of Mike Brown. And the thing that's common in all of these equations is Mike Brown and the era when it was awful. Um, and then the era where we we're competitive under Marvin Lewis. And so I'm just, you know, we, we really need to get the right coaching candidate because this this could go either way. And I'm with you. He he was a great coach. He's done a lot of great things. But ultimately, when you get your team to a caliber where they should have been Super Bowl contenders, but you can't control them enough to you know keep their wits about them, that's when you know you don't have the overall respect of the locker room and control. And that's when we should have moved on after that Steelers loss in the playoffs, in my opinion. Um and I think I think I, think I, I would have given him an opportunity to make 2016 better. Um, but after that 2016 season, which was absolutely abysmal, I would have let him go after 2016. Yeah. So with all that being said, I really wish that Mike Brown would have offered him something in the front office. But he Marvin Lewis said he is not interested in doing anything like that. He wants to continue to coach. So. Who should our next coach be? There's a lot of, you know, names being thrown out there. Josh McDaniels, the offensive uh, coordinator for the Chiefs. Uh, I mean, everybody, I mean, is their name is being thrown out for the Cincinnati job. And it, the one that I can guarantee nobody wants is Hugh Jackson. Um, so who do you think – our next coach should be. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go into a little bit of detail here. I have a short list of coaches that I know the Bengals are interviewing. Um, one that I don't know if the Bengals are interviewing or not, but I think the Bengals should. Um, but here's one thing I want to note right now. The Bengals have already interviewed Hugh Jackson and they've already interviewed Darren Simmons, who were two of the top guys for the job. They didn't offer the job to either of those guys. Neither of those guys have the job right now. That's an important thing to note. The Bengals are looking at outside candidates more than they're looking at in-house candidates. And that right there is a major, major change as far as what I would have expected the Bengals to do in the offseason. I couldn't even have imagined that the Bengals would interview anybody outside of the organization but, um, before, but before this news came out. Here, here, here's something to uh, be reminded, though. I don't know if you saw the report, um, but... Catherine Terrell, I love her so much and all the stuff that she does behind the scenes with the Bengals and the info. Uh, she did state that uh, Mike Brown, uh, the rumors being heard is he wants Hugh Jackson to be the next coach, but he's already upset about the negative 5% attendance growth this year. 
And so he's afraid that he, if he hires him, he'll have the same effect, which is why he's going away. So don't don't think that this is uh, Mike Brown being like, no, uh, uh, we uh, need to. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not necessarily saying that. Be, I'm not saying it's not a money decision for Mike Brown, but it's uh, to me, it's more of an awareness because it seemed like Mike Brown wasn't even aware of the of the fans' displeasure with with the with the extensions that Marvin Lewis got and and even with the hiring of Hugh Jackson and it, it, it seemed to me that Mike Brown wasn't even aware of the fans' displeasure but now he's aware and to me that awareness is is enough of an, an improvement in my eyes Extra no matter what note. the reasoning is he knows that the that the fans do not want Hugh Jackson as the head coach not even close extra side note Brian um. Apparently, the way to get a hold of Mike Brown or for him to listen is not all of uh, this electronic way and social media way that we do with the show. But apparently, writing a letter to Mike Brown, he will respond to you typically within a week or two. The man is 90 years old. (laughs) Don't forget that the man is 90 years old. Um, But but here's the thing is, is... the, anyways, okay. I need to get back on track here, otherwise I'm going to start rambling about nonsense. Okay. Uh, so, Darren, ja- Dar- uh, 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 Hugh, ja- sorry, Hugh Jackson and Darren Simmons have been interviewed, and yes. here are the other. There, there are three other names that I know the Bengals are interviewed in, and one more that I think the Bengals should be uh, interviewed in. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna list them. There's no order to this at all. Um, uh, we, you have Jackson, you have Simmons, you have Zach Taylor, who is the offensive coordinator for uh, for the uh, the Rams under Sean McVay. Coincidentally, Zach Taylor was the name of my uh, my roommate in the first house I lived in when I moved out of Kentucky. Um, he has Shane Waldron, who uh, is also in Los Angeles. So it looks like they're liking what the Los Angeles Rams are doing. Shane Waldron is the passing game coordinator, which right now, if, if you know anything about the, the Rams passing game, it's been massively improved. Uh, Cooper Cup has turned into a superstar. Obviously, he's been injured this season. Um, Jared Goff has turned into a fantastic quarterback. Um, and 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 I'll go into depth about those guys in just a second. Um, you also have Eric Benimi from from uh, from the Chiefs. And also there's another name I saw. They requested an interview with Todd Monken, who is the Bucks offensive coordinator. Um, now, that may sound a little scary, uh, the fact that he was the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but here's one thing to note. Um, the Buccaneers ultimately at the end of the season finished 12th in scoring offense and third in total offense. I know a lot of that has to do with Fitzmagic, but that's that you can't take that away from Todd Monken that he coordinated the third best offense in the NFL uh, in Tampa Bay. So those are those are four. I, I said three. Those are four names um, that that the Bengals have interviewed. They mentioned Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels has turned down the job. The reason behind that, I think, is because Josh McDaniels is the next guy in line uh, in New England. So I I didn't even have Josh McDaniels on my radar when when they were looking for. Uh, when they were looking for head coaches. Now, here's one guy that uh, I think the Bengals should interview, who should consider as a as a coach, the offensive coordinator for the Saints, Pete Carmichael. Now, here's the thing with Pete Carmichael. 
Obviously, he's had the pleasure of working with a Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees. But you have to take into note with Pete Carmichael, he's developed the best tandem in running backs in the NFL today in, in Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. He revived Mark Ingram's career, and he developed a great offense that is ultimately possibly going to be a Super Bowl-winning offense in New Orleans. Um, so the fact that Pete Carmichael hasn't necessarily been on the radar yet is, is a little eye-opening to me right now. He would be a guy that I think the Bengals should try to go after because the guy knows how to develop uh, the talent that's directly ahead of him. And that's what he did with Alvin Kamara. That's what he did with Mark Ingram. And obviously he, he had those guys work together very well with Drew Brees. Um, but right now, I, I would say uh, if I had to take my pick, it would either be Pete Carmichael or I would say Eric Benigni from Kansas City. Okay, and out of those two, who do you really truly want? I want Eric Benimi, and 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 this is the thing about Eric Benimi that not a lot of people know. Um, if you dive into Eric Benimi's history, obviously he this is his first season he's been an offensive coordinator. But for years, first of all, Eric Benimi is a former Cincinnati Bengal which is why he's my favorite right now um, <laughs> because I think he'll actually want to come to Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a former Cincinnati Bengal. He didn't have an, an excellent career or anything of the sort, um, but he played eight years and he spent, he spent a couple of those years with the Bengals. Um, and, um, and, and obviously that takes it, but, but this is the one thing I, I want to note about Eric Benimi. He's another guy who knows running backs very well. And I'll prove that very, very quickly. His very first uh, professional job was as as the running back coach for the Minnesota Vikings uh, in 2006. Do you know who the leading running back for the Minnesota Vikings was in 2006? It would be AP, right? Or is that before AP? Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson. He led the NFC in rushing yards with 1,341 yards. And in 2008, he did that again with 1,760 yards, both of those under the tutelage of Eric Benimi as the head coach or as a, as a running backs coach. Again, I'm going to follow this up. He was the running backs coach for the Kansas City Chiefs in 2013. Do you know who the leading rusher for the Kansas City Chiefs was in 2013? Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles, who led the AFC in rushing yards under Andy Reid and under Eric Benimi as a running backs coach. He also developed Kareem Hunt, who unfortunately ruined his career, but he developed Kareem Hunt into an all-star. And what's the run, what, who's the current running back for the, for the Chiefs? I can't even remember his name. The guy who took over Kareem Hunt's job, who got his extension. He's been leading since he's taken over the starting job in Kansas City. He's, he's been leading the entire AFC in rushing since he's taken over obviously joe mixon's led uh the whole season but but right now the kansas city chiefs since kareem hunt has 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 lost his job in kansas city he's he's been leading uh they've been leading in rushing yards in the nfl that's nothing to shake a stick at and the guy knows running backs and and eric benimi working with joe mixon and giovanni bernard as a tandem you cannot tell me that that will not lead to success in Cincinnati. So, That's why Eric Benimi is my favorite. So you're telling me, Joe Mixon, uh, we're going to go ahead and book a 2,000-yard season? I would book a 2,000-yard season with Joe Mixon and Eric Benimi as a coach. I would. I would wow. absolutely do it. I would book a 2,000-yard rushing season for Joe Mixon. I would go ahead and say as far as total yard goes, I would put Giovanni Bernard up there at 800 yards. I would 100% do it in total yards for Giovanni Bernard if Eric Benimi was a coach. 100%. 
Wow. We are making some bold prediction here. So that is Brian's pick, Eric Panini. Benimi. Benemi. 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 I don't even know how you say the guy's name. I probably said it wrong. wrong I, I just, I just I love my intentional mess up. He had a, he, I, 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 this is a, another little tidbit about him. Uh, his, uh, when he was, uh, when when he when he was in the NFL and he was a player, he had a he had a, a a kick return for a touchdown, just one. And Chris Berman was still doing the fastest two minutes, and uh, he he called he he said that uh, he, what was his he, he had a nickname for Eric Benemy. Ben- there it is, Benemy. <laughs> it was uh, Eric sleeping with the Benemy. Oh my gosh! Which I thought was which I thought was really funny. So I'm I'm pulling for sleeping with the Benemy to be the uh, head coach for the Bengals. <laughs> All right, so I guess all that we'll have to do is wait and see. I don't think they plan on uh, announcing who it's going to be until next week sometime, so we'll, we'll all just have to patiently sit here and twiddle our, twiddle our thumbs. Uh, in a quick, uh, quick breaking news thing that, we, that, that I saw on the Enquirer today. Uh, yes. Mike Zimmer is considering hiring Hugh Jackson to be the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. Well, that would be interesting. That would be very I'm praying. I'm praying to God that that happens. Yeah, we don't need Hugh around here. Okay. I really want. I want him gone. I want him out of the organization. Yeah. So, Mike, you are more than welcome to take him. Um, and uh, we will hopefully be curse free. So. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. All right. So that is everything that I wanted to talk about when it comes to the local portion of the show. Again, this uh, portion of the show is sponsored by SeatGeek. Check out SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app and use code DOUBLETECHNICAL for $20 off your first ticket purchase. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be back to quickly run over our college football picks that went horribly awry for myself um, (laughs) and not for them. So we'll talk about that and then me and Brian will break down the NFL playoffs and what to expect out of the games from this weekend. So we'll be right back after this. And welcome back to Double Technical Podcast, everyone. In case you forgot in the G, I don't know, 15 seconds that it's been since we stopped talking, I am joined by Lassie, I mean Brian, in the well. Um, nobody's <laughs> rescued him out of there, and I, I don't know why we haven't rescued him. We we have the facilities to do so, um, but we're too lazy, and it's good entertainment. So I have, I have fallen, and I can't get up. <laughs> like literally you can't get up like you're you're in this sunken hole sir um yeah i'm I'm worried for you (laughs) it's okay i mean you know i'm gonna make a home down here it's fine okay i mean as long as you're making the best out of your situation uh that that is totally like you you know you, you make a positive out of a negative while i just make a double negative so um we are going to uh quickly I say quickly, but we'll see what happens. Uh, talk about our college football playoff picks. Um, we're going to review those and let you know how those went, If you, in case you didn't see on social media. Um, uh, Michael, we, we were hoping, would be able to join us uh, to talk about this and to rub it in as he is perfect so far. He is 7-0 uh, and o with his picks. Brian is 6-1, and one, so very close behind. And I... I'm um, 
I, I'm three and five because my national championship has already been eliminated. So oh, you just did. You just you just wait until uh, until I make this this little. I'm waiting for the for the national championship to be over with, but I I cannot wait to make this matchup of your terrible picks, <laughs> dude. <laughs> it, it, it's okay. Nobody. If if you watch the Dan Lebitard show and you understand Stugatz, okay, that is my mindset. That is who I am. Okay. I can play it off as a joke. All right. It was just I was just trying to be facetious and funny. Um and you know, just for the show, just to be different, you know, and edgy. Or if it would have all been right, I would have been a freaking genius and everyone would have had to have bowed down to me, okay? So it's either I just or. I I just don't listen, it like I, I get it, but also like you could shoot a half court shot every single time uh, you get the ball <laughs> to start a basketball game. Like you could be playing point and shoot from half court the entire time, but like even if you make it once, like not everybody's gonna be bound to you because you're gonna have 90, 19, 20 attempts from 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 way deep. So <laughs> listen, I get it, but like you can't eat. You could throw a you could throw a football at a, at the eye of a needle a million times, but you'll never get it through. It's but I get it, I get it. But <laughs> come on, man, come on, dude. Like, okay, okay, we get it, we get it. Um, so the the first one that was on our list was number seven Michigan versus number ten Florida. This is the game where me and Brian can both agree in that we are so glad that Michael is not here, um, as his <laughs> SEC biased would have been just oozing and uh, just rubbing it in on us as Florida demolished Michigan 41 to 15 in the Chick-fil-A peach bowl. Um, the, the, the only thing, and I do have one question for you, Brian, cause I want to know where you stand on this. Does this game put Harbaugh officially on the hot seat? I think it does. Uh, I thought the Ohio state game had, had been the start of that conversation, but but uh, I, I think I think this game for sure puts him on the hot seat because Michigan just got embarrassed, uh, and 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 ultimately the, I don't think this I don't think this team deserved to be that embarrassed. This team was better than that, a hundred percent. You had the best te- uh, best def- excuse me the best defense in college football through most of the season, and you let. Florida dropped 41 on you with Felipe Franks at their quarterback. I don't think he's that good of a quarterback at all. And you let him drop 41 on you. And, and I, I just think that kind of public humiliation for Michigan is, is a sign that something needs to change in Ann Arbor again. Um, I, we thought that, that Harbaugh could be the coach to really bring change in Ann Arbor, um, but I think it's I think it's time I think it's time to start talking about moving on from him. Yeah, I'm in uh, I'm in complete agreement with that. At least the conversation needs to start being had, and we need to start uh, that athletic director needs to be like, look, next year you have all the players. No more excuses that you don't have your team. You have everybody that you wanted that you have picked and spent your time recruiting on. Now execute. It's just that simple, and especially with Ohio State being in the stance that is going to be next year without Urban Meyer, we he has to capitalize next season, or he is not going to be the coach of Michigan going forward. Oh, if Harbaugh if Harbaugh doesn't get the win against uh, against Ohio State next year, 
with Ryan Day as the head coach in Columbus, then I, I mean, the entire like we're gonna be calling for his head. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, a hundred percent. So, the next game on our list was Cincinnati versus Virginia Tech in the Military Bowl, presented by North Hop Grumman. I don't know why I decided to read all that, but I just did. Um, well, you're just trying to get some money. It's fine. Yeah, and you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just like you know the anchors with the teleprompter. You put it in front of me. I'm going to read it. Um, they won 35 to 31. Uh, finished the season 11 and two. Um, I had the the role of breaking it down last week, and as I also oh uh, eloquently put it, uh, we're just talking about it because it's a local team. Who cares? Um, so they won thirty five to thirty one. Who cares? Um, next, the game was a little closer than I thought it was going to be. I'll say that much. Yes, I, I'll agree. Uh, they were favored to win by ten plus, I believe. So the fact that it, it was a close one definitely gave. Um, UC fans a scare, but uh, Warren. But the also, second, I mean, it, it's it's a double digit win season for the for the Bearcats as well. That's that's yeah, which is uh, that's a, you can't overlook that. You can't overlook the. I mean, Cincinnati is as as really only one time ever been a a a I would say a, a national championship threat, or as at least at least in the national conversation. That was one time, and that was the Orange Bowl season with Tony Pike at quarterback. Since then, um, they they haven't necessarily been dreadful as a program, but they've uh, you know they've they've stepped it up. A I part think, of their memory. the the biggest issue is that they play in the American Conference. If they were that is, able a, that to, is a huge thing. Yeah, if they were able to get in, maybe the ACC um, or uh, even the MAC. I mean, yeah. Some, well, well, uh, Mac, no, Mac yeah, maybe not. But you <laughs> the, know, the stalwart in the Mac is Buffalo, man. Yeah, like. true, true. So maybe not the Mac, but definitely the ACC. Like they um, are trying, I believe, to get in in basketball. Um, mm-hmm. You know, or heck, even the Big Ten. I mean, that 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 has more teams around it. Um, they, they need to do that to help really build this program up to a point where it will be nationally recognized, especially because of that game versus UCF where, you know, it's nationally televised. It was UC's chance to make a statement and they got pummeled. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. While I, I, I I do think the 10 win season is impressive. I do think the conference change is necessary. Yes. And then it will be even more impressive and it will allow them to be even more competitors because like, you know, with that, Tony Pike year that you talk about the reason why we got to the orange bowl is because that was back when it was the big East and it was competitive. So uh-huh. that they just need to get to that, you know, move up again to a competitive conference and they will be nationally regarded and considered as contenders. If they continue to put up the same numbers that they do well, in the uh, American conference. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we, we get to that point and uh, it'd be nice to see that happen in Cincinnati, but if not, you know, we got plenty of other teams we can support. <laughs> Definitely. So the next one was Kentucky. Obviously, we all picked Kentucky being the homers that we are. Uh, and we talked about that earlier. They beat Penn State 27-24, to 24, so we won't talk about that. The next one that I, I should have got, I should have gotten that over all y'all, and it is not fair that things just went a little awry and that receivers freaking left their backup quarterback, Mac, down. and. 
Mm, I was so frustrated. LSU versus UCF. Uh, UCF had a 25-game win streak heading into this game, and I picked them to win, but Brian and Michael picked LSU, and the final score was 40-32. to They they had a chance, Brian. UCF had a chance with a backup quarterback who had played three games up to that point. If the receivers would have held on to a few more balls, and if the ah ah Lucas, <laughs> there was so many opportunities hey. for scores that Luke. they let down. Ugh. Lucas, are you are you mad? Are you mad, bro? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, you can't. You, you, you have to look at it like this. You're, you're talking about throwing a, a quarterback with, with in co- by college football standards, no experience in, in a bowl game against a team with a lot of experience in a bowl game. But he, he did his part in the first half. He had two 100%. touchdowns dropped by his receivers that really ended up hurting UCF in the long run. A hundred percent, but a lot of that probably falls into the confidence uh, conversation. You know, yeah, just as just as a quarterback in in, in any system, a, a quarterback needs to have faith in his receivers. Their receivers need to have faith in the quarterback. And if that if there's any faltering at all, and I'm talking the most minute amount of uh, of 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 not, I don't want to say lack of trust, but if there's any any faltering as far as as um, communication goes, as, as any anything of the sort when it comes to chemistry between the quarterback and a receiver, it will hurt you, especially in the bowl game in college football, and that that that, that was proven, um, you know, in in those situations with. Uh, with with um, with UCF in, in, in the bowl game, and 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 while I do think that that uh, while I do think that UCF has developed a, a a possible bright future for themselves in in college football, there's still work to be done. They're right there uh, in the same conversation that UC should be in, where a conference change needs to happen for me to take UCF seriously as a national program. Um, and and they had that opportunity right there with LSU, but you don't have you don't have uh, Mackenzie Milton at quarterback, who, who I think possibly could have taken them over the edge. I do think if Mackenzie Milton was a quarterback at UCF, um, they would have gotten that win. But you don't have him. You don't have Scott Frost coaching, which was a major thing. Scott Frost is a great head coach, um, and, and I think taking those two things out of the equation, I think UCF is 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 not quite there yet. There's still a lot of years to go for them. And well, the thing is, they don't really even need a conference change. They just need to, <clears throat> excuse me, schedule uh, better um, out of conference games because they were offered a, uh, I think like a two or three season deal with Florida and things like that and other big schools. And if they want to be taken uh, seriously, they needed to accept those and they didn't, which kind of shows you where I think their priorities lie, where they just wanted to be able to be undefeated and be able to say to the world, you know, look, we're champions again, we're undefeated. Um, Rather than, yeah, you know, let's take on these tougher opponents and really show them, hey, we may be UCF, but we're just as good as you. So I think they kind of missed out on that opportunity as well. No, 100%. And, and, while I do think it's a possibility in the future, it, we it's still going to take time. 
So the next bowl game that we picked was number six, Ohio State versus number nine, Washington. Uh, this game actually ended up being way closer than I, any of us predicted. Um, we did all have Ohio State winning, uh, especially with this being Myers last you know, bowl game. Everyone knows that they were going to go hard for him. But, you know, the fact that Washington had the ball late and had a chance to win the game um, was very concerning. They scored 20 points in the fourth quarter alone to come back on Ohio State to try and take a win from them in this bowl game, which would have been crazy if that happened. Um, But one of the main takeaways that everyone was talking about was the fact that, again, Dwayne Haskins goes in there, throws 251, three touchdowns, really made no mistakes in that game. Uh, Really the only reason why Washington was able to come back is they started executing late in the second half. Um, You know, Haskins was doing his things. What was your biggest takeaway in Urban Meyer's last game at Ohio State? Pinocchio Meyer's last game in college football? Uh, (laughs) I, uh, you know, so toxic. I, I Ohio State um, Ohio State got the win as we expected. Big Ten versus Pac Ten uh, or Pac Twelve. Sorry, it's not two thousand six anymore. Mm. Um, Big Ten versus Pac Twelve. I I I I don't know. I Washington made it interesting, which was which was fun to watch. But but uh, overall, I it was really hard to say that Ohio State wasn't going to win this game. Um, it was fun to fact, you know, watch. With the, with, the, with the story that, that Urban Meyer developed with it being his last game uh, at Ohio State, uh, I am kind of happy to see Ohio State uh, lose probably the best coach they've had since Woody Harrelson. Uh, Woody Harrelson. Woody Hayward. Woody Hayes. Why am I? I'm Tallahassee. Woody right. Hayes, man. Woody Hayes. I uh, Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm blanking right now. But – but uh, well, I am I'm I am happy to see Ohio State lose its best coach in recent memory, um, and uh, you know hopefully Ryan Day doesn't all of a sudden become a, a freak of nature um, and and start winning for Ohio State again. But uh, here's the thing, man. I, I don't think that's Pinocchio Myers' last game in college football. No matter what his wife says on ESPN, no matter what what he tells. I think the USC open uh, job opens up in in two years, and uh, and, and Urban Meyer comes back to coaching. I, that's what I'm going to say. You're crazy, man. Uh, if that happens, <laughs> that's ridiculous. He did the same thing to Florida, man. I know. I know. Th- he did the exact same thing to Florida. He went and broadcasted for one year, left the broadcast booth, took the Ohio. As soon it was as it was open, he's gonna do the same thing, and he's gonna he's gonna bring USC back to prominence. I'll never deny the fact that he's one of the best college football coaches in history. But come on, man! Like this kind of stuff just has to stop. Well, we'll have to wait and see on that one. But I I really hope I'm wrong. But I'm gonna be so happy when I'm right. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, I am just letting you know that we are sub- subjecting Brian to a drug test after this podcast um, <laughs> for all the things and miscues that he said. He's usually very uh, executed, and um, we we no, we, I, we, have, I, we hear your concerns coming I through. Have never, this- I have never once withheld my bias. You know that. <laughs> I have never once withheld my bias. Not even close, and my bias. No, is but but when you say the the that Urban Meyer has been the best coach since Woody Harrelson, 
That's a problem. Woody Harrelson, right. That was a mess up, though. That's an easy mistake. Uh, hey, you also said not, college wait, football during wait, college wait, basketball. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Let's, not, let's not bring up the Trey Lyles scenario. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> That episode is buried, and only the real OGs will remember that, Brian. Okay. Let's not, let's not talk about the Trey Lyles scenario, Lucas. There's a reason why I buried that you episode. Do you remember who he played for? Do you remember who Trey Lyles played for in the NBA at one point? Utah Jazz. Oh, you're never forget it will you so <laughs> let me have my mistakes you picked ucf to be lsu and i was almost right dang it lucas you picked ucf to be lsu Come on, I, man I'm, you picked notre dame okay well, don't get ahead of us do, do not <laughs> do not get ahead of the person leading this show sir okay lucas you pick, hold you your pick horses dame, hold you your dame. horses sir <laughs> Anyways, the next game that we picked was Notre Dame versus Clemson. Uh, Clemson beat Notre Dame 30-3. to Brian, begin your roasting. Lucas, I just want you to understand that we're talking about Notre Dame. Like, when was, uh, think about every single time Notre Dame has been in the national conversation. They've lost every single time since 2000. Every single game. Seven straight losses. We're talking about seven straight losses for a team that plays in non-conference or plays in no conference, picks their schedule every year, and puts no top five programs on their schedule. Zero. Zero. They put zero programs in the top five. There's a reason behind that. They know what they're doing. Notre Dame knows what they're doing when they elect to not go to a conference for whatever reason try to bowl through college football, squeeze our way into the national conversation, and then get embarrassed like they did against Alabama in the national championship uh, and like they just did against Clemson. We're talking about Clemson football, Lucas. We're talking about a team that's gone to the national championship two years in a row. Come on, man. You're going to pick Notre Dame against Dabo Swinney as a coach? I would take – you could give Notre Dame the, the top 10 recruiting class. You could give them the top recruiting class five years in a row, and every time they go to the playoff and play against Davos Winnie, they're going to lose. That's a guarantee. I would happily allow no other teams in college football to recruit the top 10 players coming out of high school, let them develop for four years, uh, and all of them play their senior season in the college football playoff against Debo Swinney with all freshmen, and they'll still lose. Look. I, they, uh, it's Notre Dame, man. It's look, Notre uh, Dame. Okay, look. You're a Michigan fan. I know. No Michigan fan <laughs> in their right mind would pick Notre Dame to win in the playoffs. Remember. Come on, man. Okay, two things. Two things. First off, um, I was going off the fact that a lot, a few of their key starters on defense got suspended uh, that's Clemson, by the way. And uh, actually, uh, news that came out uh, late yesterday was that they are also going to be suspended from the championship game. Um, so I was going off of that. And uh, the fact that I wanted to be opposite of y'all or it would have been very boring. Um, but we're talking about, and- we're talking about, listen, this is what we have to, we're talking about Dabo Swinney, like took, Kelly Bryant to the national championship. Yeah, and he now was, he's about to, Kelly, and now he's taking sunshine. Okay, I get this. But listen, but listen, we're talking about he took Kelly Bryant was the the best quarterback in the ACC was in the conversation for the Heisman 
went to the national championship, and then three games into this season got benched for a freshman. Dabo Swinney is a – he's a savage. You think, you think like, Notre Dame's going to beat the savage that is in Dabo Swinney? Come on, man. I have to be welcome in my in-laws' homes, okay? <laughs> it, it's that simple. And by the way – A little bit of fun tidbit. So my wife went over the following day and she pulled up to her her parents' house to her dad outside with a sledgehammer breaking up his concrete driveway out of frustration. (laughs) While while wearing, by the way, a shirt that was gifted to him on Christmas that was the Notre Dame versus Clemson matchup shirt for the college football playoffs. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Michael put it best when he said they already sent the Notre Dame versus Oklahoma national championship <laughs> shirts to Africa. It was so bad. Um, he put it, but he was right. I mean, come I, on, man. There's no possible way the, Notre Dame was going to win that. They just, they really do need to join a conference so they can gauge where they're at because the fact that they go undefeated and then get there and get pulverized, the, the college football playoffs next year, if they go undefeated, has to look at them and be like, nah. We're we're not doing the this Big again. Ten. The Big Ten has has welcomed Notre Dame with open arms for the past what thirty years. <laughs> yeah, but they they always refuse to to leave the private. We're, they it's ridiculous. They're in the same non conference world as Navy and BYU. That's a joke. That's a joke. That that they need that. I don't take Notre Dame seriously as a football team. And I won't take Notre Dame. And I apologies to you, Michael. I know you're a huge fan of Notre Dame, but like I don't take them seriously as a football team. Michael, you're a fan of Notre Dame as a football team, and you didn't even pick them to win. He knew better. <laughs> Lucas, exactly, Lucas. You should be, you should understand these things, man. Look, okay. Again, I didn't think they were really going to win, but I had to make the pick. I was hoping to look like a genius, okay? And instead, I look like a simpleton. Now, on to the game where <laughs> I. Actually had had a chance. Okay, this game was actually close and relevant. Um, Alabama versus Oklahoma. The final score ended up being forty-five to thirty-four. Uh, Tua had a great game. Three three eighteen, four touchdowns. Had three incompletions for the entire game. And then Kyler Murray, 308 in the air, two touchdowns, and then 109 on the ground and one touchdown himself. If they had not got off to the slow start that they did in the first half, this game would have been close and could have gone to Oklahoma. Now, this is the game that I I had like a slight fear in in our public shaming of you getting getting rubbed. Like I had a little bit of fear here solely because I believe in Kyler Murray. But this is the conversation I kind of want to have right now because I was getting in this uh, this argument on Facebook a lot, uh, and I kind of want to hear your um, I want I want to hear your your two cents on it. Uh, I've been I've been talking to a lot of people uh, via Twitter. Um, the, uh, the consensus seemed to be on Twitter that Tua Tagovailoa deserved a Heisman over Kyler Murray. What are, what do you think about that? Well, I personally disagree with that. Thank you. Only very much. Only because Kyler Murray is truly the 
the description of a dual threat in someone who is, you know, Alabama is good. Whether or not Tua is the quarterback, as we saw in the SEC championship game, if Kyler Murray is not doing his thing for Oklahoma, Oklahoma is irrelevant. And that's why he's the Heisman winner. Thank you very much for thank you. I like here's where here's my here's my biggest argument right now for that for that situation. Kyler Murray, you you said it bet. Kyler Murray was Oklahoma. He was the reason Oklahoma went to the playoff in the first place. Uh, and 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 to, just to to let you know, Tua Tagovailoa, and this was my argument for Tua Tagovailoa versus Dwayne Haskins as the best quarterback in college football. And while I think. Dwayne Haskins is a better quarterback than Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray was a better winner than Dwayne Haskins was, and I think that's why Oklahoma went to the playoff over Ohio State. Um, but there's a difference to me in 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 quarterbacks and like quarterbacks like Dwayne Haskins and quarterbacks like Kyler Murray. There, there's just a massive difference between them. And, but but Kyler Murray, as far as being the entire offense for Oklahoma, that speaks so many volumes. You're talking about a guy who. And, and the biggest argument was that that Kyler Murray had the slow start against Alabama. Kyler Murray had the had the plays called that were designed around him fifty seven times in the game. Tell me he's not the entire offense for Oklahoma. If you were the only option for your offense, how are you not going to get game planned against? And the biggest thing that proved to me that Kyler Murray earned every bit of his Heisman that he did was that he took that first half and he turned that into a second half where he almost had Oklahoma contending against Alabama when he was the only option on Oklahoma's offense. That speaks massive volumes to me. And that's why I think Kyler Murray 100%. And, and the other thing is, Tua Tagovailoa has the best receiving core in college football. Nobody talks about that with Alabama. Mm-hmm. They have the best receiving core in college football. They have nothing but five-star linemen. They have the Bolitnikoff winner on their team. Tua Tagovailoa has a system in front of him. It's not. It's. It's. And that's what Michael's argument was for against me. Tua Tagovailoa is in a great system of college football, and you can't like you can't tell me any different when you're talking about the best. The best. You have NFL linemen. Like backing up more NFL linemen, you have nothing but the best receiver in college football, and that to me is is, is going to be an asterisk when it comes to Tua Tagovailoa's talent, which I think he'll win the Heisman next year. But I think again that comes with an asterisk. I mean, um, and, and he's definitely though super, super, super talented and already probably the best quarterback ever under Nick Saban. But I agree with you. I agree um, with you. But but the thing is, and, and this is exactly what you're saying, Tua is in a system that is built to succeed. While Kyler was, in my opinion, in that game, he was let down by the coaching staff. The fact that they could never figure out how to guard a freaking slant every drive, you knew what they were going to do was a quick Inside slant, pass it to the receiver, get however many yards that you want. And he was still calling plays in which those cornerbacks were staying about five or six yards downfield, giving them that inside route that they failed Kyler, in my opinion. Oh, 100%. Well, and you have, but you have to think all Oklahoma has been playing all season are vertical offenses. So I'm not surprised they couldn't defend a slant. They haven't played a slant all year long. 
They have it. They, they, I mean, it's Big 12. They're playing in the Big 12. You're talking about the Big 12 with nothing but joke defenses. That's that's my opinion. Is that the Big 12 is nothing but joke defenses? It's, I mean, look back at Baker Mayfield versus Patrick Mahomes, Texas Tech versus Oklahoma. I mean, record-breaking game where two guys accounted, two guys on two separate teams accounted for 700 yards of offense. Two players. Two players accounted for four, almost 1,500 total yards. I think over 1,500 because I think Patrick Mahomes had 819 yards. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. I am never going to take a team seriously that can't defend, ever. And that's why Oklahoma didn't, would not have won this game. And, I, I, and, that's, and, and, and that is forever going to haunt Oklahoma as a team. And that's why the SEC is so hard to beat. That's why the SEC is hard to argue against. Argue against. I will say... Um, what, that being said, I don't think that any other SEC team deserved to be in the conversation for the playoff. I know Georgia fans were 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 all humdrumming over the fact that they were like Georgia contended against Alabama, but here's the thing: Georgia contended against Tua Tagovailoa with a messed up leg, and then they lost to Texas, who Oklahoma hundred percent. So, uh huh. Texas, Texas stomped them. Which, real quick, I think that was a tell-all sign from the very beginning before the game even got started. Did you see the Longhorn almost trample the poor Bulldog? Yeah, Bevo, Bevo, Bevo almost <laughs> kid, killed uh, Uga. That that, that was the tell all sign. I don't. I want to see what happened in Vegas because that line had to have moved quicker than any other when that happened. Oh, because I'm that was sure. the tell all sure. sign that the Longhorns were going to come out and get that victory. A hundred percent. And I and, and but again, what 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 kills me about that is Georgia was 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 all up in arms about the fact that they get, didn't get in the playoff. But again, they they flat didn't deserve it. They they 100 did not deserve it. You can't lose twice uh, in the regular season and get in the playoff. That was proven uh, by that was proven by Ohio State. They didn't get in the playoff. They lost twice in the regular season. That was proven by Georgia. They lost twice in the regular season, and Georgia got embarrassed by Texas. That was flat embarrassment. You're talking about Texas is another team who can't defend the ball, and, and Jake Fromm can't score on them. Come on, get out of here. Georgia didn't deserve to get in the playoffs. Exactly. So now, really quickly, let's preview the national championship game. It is coming on Monday. Um, uh, It is at 8 o'clock. Alabama is a six-point favorite in this game. So you guys obviously picked Alabama versus Clemson. Um, I did not, but I still will give my pick on it after yours. Do you still stand by your pick for Alabama winning this game against Clemson? Or did the two games change maybe your perception? I do think Alabama still has the best. I I still think Alabama is going to win, but I don't necessarily think the spread is as far as I previously thought. Um, I think it's all going to come down to, to, to offense, uh, Alabama's offense versus Clemson's defense. Clemson is, this is where Clemson missing those defenders is going to matter to me. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is you're talking about the best receiving core in college football, the best offensive line in college football and to attack of a quarterback who has a winning instinct. Um, I, I don't think Clemson can compete with that. But I do think Davis Swinney can compete as a coach against Nick Saban, and I think that's going to keep the game close. And um, maybe even Clemson leads at half. I wouldn't be surprised to see Clemson lead at half. But 
at the end of the day, I think I think Nick Saban is is wanting his back to back national championships. Um, I think Tua is is out to prove um, prove himself as as one of the most legendary college football players of all time. Um, and and I think I think he's right in the middle of telling that story. And I think the the, the middle chapter of that story gets told here. Um, but I think it's going to come down. I think it's going to come down closer to the wire than I thought it was in the past. So I think Clemson's going to win. Okay. Um, I, after watching that game, I think that in the way that um, Alabama was not able to handle Kyler Murray very well and, and a prolific offense, you know, this Clemson offense is really good under sunshine. And I think ultimately that they will, even though they're down some players, I think that Alabama is a little shooketh. And I think that Clemson will be able to come out and not win big. I think it's going to be another one of those thrillers like it was a few years back with Deshaun Watson. Um, But um, I think that they ultimately get the edge in some sense of last scoring uh, last-minute scoring touchdown to win the game. Lucas, do you think you will have set a record for being the only man to have picked the same game wrong twice? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Do you think it's a Do you think it's a real possibility for you, man? Because I think it's a real possibility here. <laughs> Is there <laughs> any way I, I could get I, it wrong I, a third I, time? <laughs> but I will say, I don't know, man. That. Uh, They'll have to tie and go play a rematch or something. That can't happen. You can't have ties in college football. But, but, uh, but I will say um, the the thing about Clemson that does scare me is the combination between Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne is a great running back. I think Travis Etienne has a bright future as a running back in college football and in the pros. So um, I will say that that is that's the X factor right now for Clemson for me. They have to play their tails off. It has to be mistake free football from them. But Trevor Lawrence is a freshman. Don't forget about that. He's a freshman playing against a veteran defense. And so was Tua last year. So um, sure, that, that's just. Uh, but uh, we're talking about Tua Tagovailoa versus Trevor Lawrence. My money's on Tua Tagovailoa versus Trevor. Lawrence. My money's on sunshine. I'm just saying. So okay, okay. Um, my name's okay. Jeff. Um, so that is everything. <laughs> uh, in terms of the college football review, we'll have to wait and see what everything holds for us on Monday. Now, NFL picks. We are officially in the NFL playoffs. I am so freaking excited, man. Um, the, the it is going to be a crazy year. I feel like. And I, I just, I'm really excited to get into this wild card round. So, uh, to to kick things off, okay, we're gonna look at the games on Saturday. The first official game of NFL playoffs is the Colts versus the Texans. Texans are one and a half point favorites. Um, both teams finished very well. The Colts, man, started off one and five, finished ten and six. Absolutely unbelievable. And they're going, they're sitting across the team that also started out zero and three and finished eleven and five. What a weird freaking year for football what a weird year for the afc south that's very true (laughs) very very true because everyone thought that the texans would be good and then they started off bad the colts started off bad and we thought they'd be bad the jags started off good and then ended up being horrific um (laughs) like this this year was so 
so so weird so brian i'll give you the floor on this one um what do you expect out of this game and then we'll both give our picks on who's going to win so this is weird because i think these are two of the hottest teams in football today um i mean obviously you you have a lot of hot teams coming to the playoffs but i think as far as turning it around i mean I couldn't have in a million years thought that the Colts would have turned it around this much. Uh, I actually watched the Colts uh, absolutely decimate their way into the playoffs against the Titans. Um, and, and something about the Colts told me a story there that I don't think I'm getting from the Texans. Um, I think Andrew Luck is playing to fully redeem himself uh, as – not only the comeback player of the year, but one of the greatest comeback players in the history of the NFL. And for that reason alone, I think wow. Deshaun Watson, I think Deshaun Watson will have his time. But I think right now it's Andrew Luck's story to tell. And I think that alone will will carry the, the, the Indianapolis Colts in this game. And I have I think it's gonna come out of the wire. I have this one pegged uh, as the closest game in the wild card round. Um, I think it'll be 27-24 Colts. I think it's going to come down to a field goal. I think it's going to be 50, almost 50-year-old 50 Adam Vinatieri is going to win the game and, and bring bring the Colts another playoff win. Wow. That is uh, – that uh, I'm shook. <laughs> that is not where I thought think, you would go. You didn't um, think I was going to go there? Listen, no. I love Deshaun Watson. I love I love the ability of the Texans. I love J.J. Watt as a pass rusher. Uh, I think that I think the Texans have one of the best defensive lines of football, but I think Andrew Luck has a story to tell, and I I I rarely go heart overhead, but I'm going with heart on this one. So I'm gonna cut straight to it. I think that the Texans are gonna win this game. Um, okay. Simply put, because I Deshaun Watson was my pick to win the MVP this year. Are Are you starting a fire, sir? No. <laughs> Every, it's hot down here. I'm, I'm fanning. <laughs> I'm fanning myself with my. I, I my just, I just thought, I, I just thought you were trying to, you know, get get you some heat down in that well. So I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Deshaun, I, I thought he was going to be the MVP. Obviously, he did not have an MVP year, especially with all the craziness that happened in this year. Um, but I think the reason why the Texans are going to win this game is be not not just because of Deshaun, but because they do have a more effective ground game and because they do have a more prolific uh, receiving core. And uh, you think that? Wait, you think the Texans have a more effective ground game than Marlon Mack? Yeah, Lamar Miller. Marlon Mack's been what? Marlon Mack's been one of the hottest running backs in football. He he has been. Yes, I, I'm not. I'm not going to disagree with that. But you're also talking about he's going up against a defense that includes uh, Jadavian Clowney and J.J. Watt. Uh, uh, I, I think that okay. he is going to not be as effective, and the, it's going to rely more on Andrew Luck, who definitely can get the job done. But I think okay. that Deshaun and his offense is going to be a little bit too much. I mean, the Bengals were able to beat the Colts. Let's remember that, okay? I, 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 and, and that's understood, but we're talking about the Bengals beating – the Colts in week two, week one. Yeah, but I I think ultimately I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I think it's not almost going to be like that Colts game versus Kansas City a few years back. Um, I think the final yeah. score for this one is forty two to thirty five Texans. Wow! Wow! Okay. All right. All right. 
Oh, we'll see about that one. But I, yeah, again, and you know me, I'm normally a, I'm normally a stats guy. I'm a numbers guy when it comes to picking games. Mm-hmm. And but I, I something about this Colts team made me I don't know something's getting me with this Colts team. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, mm-hmm. And then the next game tomorrow uh, evening at eight fifteen p.m. Um, we have the Seattle Seahawks going up against Dallas in Dallas. Um, both of these teams finished 10 and six. They played once this year and Seahawks got the W over the Cowboys. And ultimately, you know, my breakdown of this game is the Dallas Cowboys are the Dallas Cowboys. Everyone has to remember that. And they always, they are essentially the Bengals when it comes to playoff games. They always come up short. They don't seem to be very effective comes towards the end of the season. They almost lost to the New York Giants last week, but were able to pull out a last minute touchdown to and two point conversion to seal the deal. And I just think that the fact that Seattle is even in the conversation is an attest to what Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson really can do. Their willpower has willed this team to effectiveness um, and to, I mean, nobody thought after basically blowing up the Legion of Boom that they would be anything to care about. And Russell Wilson, uh, Carson, and that defense is is showing that no, we had great players uh, ready to step up after we got rid of them, and they have been really effective. They stumbled a little bit to end the year and didn't play as well as they could have, just like the Cowboys. But I think ultimately, when this game is played Saturday night, Seahawks are going to get the best of the Cowboys, and I will be sitting there laughing at the uh, several Cowboy fans that I know. Um, and I think that Seattle gets a win 21 to 14 over the Dallas Cowboys. Brian, what is your opinion? Well, um, I, uh, that was a very long pause. (laughs) Sorry. I think my phone, I think my phone had messed up at some point. Um, (laughs) I just just was like, man, he really did not like my take. Yeah, no, 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 I, I think my phone messed up because it, 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 all your words got jumbled at some point. But, uh, but, um, it, <laughs> I think it's no coincidence that this game is happening twelve, almost twelve years to the day that Tony Rumbo uh, botched the snap. <laughs> I didn't even and think lost about that. the game for the Cowboys, and because of that. <laughs> Listen, my mom's a big Cowboys fan. <laughs> Sorry, and she's probably she's <laughs> probably not gonna like me for this, but uh, I think it's gonna come down to a final mistake by Dallas again. I really <laughs> think so. Who's the backup here's, quarterback here's, that's gonna drop it? I don't think it's gonna be a backup quarterback. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be Dak all day long. Mm. Um, I, I think I think it's gonna come down to it to uh, it's gonna come down to the wire again. I, th- I think it's gonna be a final drive kind of game. But I think it's going to be like a. Uh, I think it's going to be either an interception or, or it may even be a botched snap again. Um, I, I think I think 100 the the Seahawks are going to win a close one in Dallas. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be. I, I think I, I don't have faith in Dak Prescott as a as a clutch quarterback. While I do think the offense did get uh, did get reinvigorated. Um, after after they finally got a hold of themselves and a, and a number one receiver, um, I, I I just don't 
think Dak Prescott is a winning quarterback in the NFL. I don't think he's a playoff winning quarterback. Um, and, and I think history is showing that so far. Um, he's, he's a great regular season quarterback. He's a great stats quarterback, but he, he's not, he's not a winner. And, uh, and, and right now, I mean, you can never shy away from Pete Carroll in the playoffs. You never can. Uh, it, history has shown, even though he doesn't have the Legion of Boom anymore, he's still got a, a, a defense that, that can cause problems. Um, and, and, and Russell Wilson is still a, a, still a solid quarterback. He can still put up good numbers. He can still win in the playoffs. Um, I, I'm just going to go with history here. Uh, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the numbers in the past. I'm going to pick the Seahawks. I'm going to say the Seahawks are going to win 28 to 21. All right. I'm, we're in agreement in that one. Um, now the, the, the next two matchups that I'm actually the most excited about to be hundred percent honest with you, uh, on Sunday, one o'clock, we have the chargers versus the Ravens. This is a, uh, matchup that happened two weeks ago and the Ravens were able to get the best of the chargers. Um, Brian, go ahead and uh, give us your breakdown of this game and uh, what your pick is. Lucas, I love football in Los Angeles so much right now. I think Phillip Rivers played the best season of any quarterback not named Patrick Mahomes in the AFC. Uh, I 100% think that... uh, that, that Philip Rivers has, 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 has built himself a great legacy in San Diego, and I think he's ready to cap it off. Uh, on the flip side, this Ravens offense is the weirdest offense in NFL <laughs> right now. I don't understand what's happening right now in Baltimore. I don't get how you go from a mediocre quarterback who won a Super Bowl once in, in Joe Flacco who somehow he won that they they won that Super Bowl because of their defense and people still think that Joe Flacco is one of the better quarterbacks and I don't get I never understood why he got all the all the uh the the acclaim that he did but that's neither here nor there because he lost his job to a rookie quarterback who doesn't throw the ball and Lamar Jackson what is <laughs> happening in Baltimore what are they putting in the water then you I have a quarterback know. you have a quarterback who 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 is mediocre like upper mediocre at best who lost his job to another quarterback who doesn't even throw the ball, and they're one of the hottest offenses in football. How does that happen in Baltimore? Think I don't about, get. I don't. Under, I don't understand. Think about how this do they? Stat. How does that team win the AFC North? How listen, does that happen? Listen, listen. Think about this stat, okay? Uh, Lamar Jackson did not start until Week Twelve, and it, in five few weeks. Uh, he had the most rushing attempts out of any quarterback in NFL history. I don't get it. <laughs> Michael Vick played quarterback in the NFL one time. Like, <laughs> how does he do that? I don't understand. I listen. Here, here's, but here's, here's okay. Here's the deal. Mar- Lamar Jackson's got five, six starts, seven starts. I don't know how many starts Lamar. Lamar Jackson's got seven starts. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got seven starts as a quarterback. You're not throwing the ball. You're playing one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. Uh, you're playing against uh, an upper echelon run defense in the NFL. Uh, you're playing against Phillip Rivers. Uh, playing against a good defense. Don't get me wrong. Baltimore's defense is causing some problems. But 
you're playing against Philip Rivers, who has playoff experience, who's been to the AFC Championship game, and who wants this more than any quarterback in the NFL right now. More than Tom Brady, and I will 100% say that. But, I am going with Philip. I am going with Philip Rivers and the Chargers to win this because they are my favorite team in the AFC right now. I don't care what you tell me about the Chiefs. I am going with Philip Rivers and the Chargers right now to win this game. Even though they got beat by the Ravens a few weeks ago. I don't even care. I don't care. I don't care about that. that. That's not the playoffs. There's a difference between the playoffs and the regular season. We've seen it a million times. I am going with Phillip Rivers. I am going with the fact that Phillip Rivers has played his best statistical season at the oldest age that he could be at. I, I, I think he's got – I think he's trying to earn himself a new contract because he's got like 26 kids. And I think he's trying to <laughs> – I think he's trying to. Uh, I think he's trying to get like one more big contract out so he can so he can put them all through college at one time. Uh, and <laughs> I, I'm going with Philip Rivers here. I, I think, but in all seriousness, I do I do think it, it, this this is Philip Rivers' uh, game to lose. I, I'm I'm picking I'm picking the Chargers 100. I think the Chargers are going to win this. Not only are they going to win this game, I think they're going to win this by 10 or more points. I'm going to go ahead and say final score is going to be 31 21 Chargers. All right. Well, uh, Vegas says that Baltimore is the favorite, but I am with you simply because I said 10 weeks ago that the Chargers were going to win the AFC and go to the Super Bowl. Um, So I've stuck with that, and I will continue to stick with that until I am proven wrong. So by default. But you also also have to look at a quarterback in Lamar Jackson who who has never been a proven winner. He played in Louisville. (laughs) Exactly. So, and plus, who wouldn't love to see it happen finally for Philip Rivers? So, oh, I absolutely. I think that they're good enough defensively and offensively. I think that game versus the Ravens a few weeks ago was just kind of a fluke. They were coming off a really huge, important win over Kansas City, and I think that they were just a little bit drained from that. Um, and that's ultimately why they came up a little short. That game was still a close game. It's not like they were blown out. So I, I think that they come in, take care of business. I don't think it's going to be a huge, huge win, um, but I do think that they probably win 24 to 14, 17, something like that. I'd say, I'd say the only person in Los Angeles right now that I don't want to win at all is Dean Spanos. <laughs> Just because I think Dean Spanos is, is a horrible owner and a terrible person overall uh he's currently trying to pad the numbers in los angeles saying that uh he's trying to say that the the chargers are up like the largest percentage in the nfl in attendance they're not but how can how can (laughs) they do that when they play in a thirty thousand seat stadium exactly it's just because of the amount of sellouts that they're able to come out because they're only selling 30,000 tickets a game and And they had an 80 they had an 80,000 turnout for their quote-unquote home game in London yeah see so that that's the biggest thing that people were talking about about this matchup and stuff um the Chargers man if they end up having the home field like that's gonna be a pretty pitiful playoff game um it'll be the only sold out playoff game it'll be the only sold out playoff game in the nfl though because nobody's selling tickets anymore gosh so (laughs) it's gonna be interesting and i cannot wait for that then the next game is the four o'clock game it is the eagles versus the bears bears are six point favorites uh and they're favored by to win by uh, uh, can't talk they were 70 percent odd chance of winning and, you know, we know this Bears defense, man, 
the Eagles are playing without Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, Nick Foles' magic worked last year, but this Bears defense is pro- prolific. Khalil Mack has been the the trade of the century i mean the the way i I firmly believe that the addition to mac is what made this team be from the laughable bears to the contending bears and it it, it's just astonishing that one person could do that but it galvanized the bears it turned them into what we know the bears they are a hard-hitting defense and what's great is that michael trubisky and howard have michael mike michael trubisky who's michael trubisky i meant mitch (laughs) (laughs) mitch trubisky and howard and alan robinson and all these players Uh, on the offensive side have really found their own. They're young and they're very competitive and they're executing well. And, and like I said, this defense is just bar none. Um, so obviously in this game, I am fly Eagles fly. They are going to victory. That is right. The Eagles are going to win this game. 28 to 10 Nick Foles, the Philly special in everyone's faces as they move on to the next round. That's right. I just changed everything on you. Lucas, I knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I had that I had that circled. I knew you were going to pick the Eagles. I don't even know why I knew that. I just had this feeling. And you started talking about the Bears. And for a second there, I was like, man, he's going to pick the Bears. This is going to be boring. No, you went with the freaking Eagles. Listen, man. I just thought everyone would appreciate that change up. It was solid. You you definitely probably had quite a few people. But here's, here's the thing, man. The Bears. Dobbers. You're talking about you were talking about uh, you're talking about a defense in my mind that is trying to create its own legacy because the only thing that they have been hearing about are the Lovey Smith Bears since the since the season has started. Every single year they want to talk about the Lovey Smith Bears, the Lovey Smith Bears, the Lovey Smith Bears and and uh and and they're trying to they're trying to stamp their own legacy here. And in my eyes, it still holds true that defense wins championships. And that is why 100% I am picking the Philadelphia Eagles to win <laughs> this game. Because I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is a winning quarterback. And I think the, I think the Eagles defense, because I, I don't know what it is about Nick Foles as a quarterback, but I it think... It changes one, everything for the Eagles, man. It's almost like they get, get confident again. I don't get what happens when Nick Foles goes under center. I don't know if he like radiates this like BDE energy where he like expl- like he he just he creates masculinity in Philadelphia. <laughs> and and that reason alone, and I'm not even going to I'm not even going to say it's going to be the Eagles offense. I, it's not. I don't think it's going to be the Eagles offense at all. I think it's 100% going to be the Eagles defense that gets energized and starts to pressure Mitch Trubisky. And I think once Mr. Trubisky gets pressure, he's going to crumble because he has not proven himself to be that kind of guy who wins football games. And I don't also, the other thing I don't have faith in is Matt Nagy as a coach. Uh, Matt Nagy is, is not a bad coach. I'll never say that, but I don't think Matt Nagy is a, is, is, is quite ready to bring a championship home to Chicago. And I don't think he's ready to bring a playoff win home to Chicago. Doug Peterson's been there. 
And I know people were so up and down about Doug Peterson as a coach. They sometimes they they have you know there's a lot of people who have bad things to say about Doug Peterson. He brought a Super Bowl home with a backup quarterback, and he has a chance to do it again. And I think 100 percent he's going to be playing to prove oh my that gosh, point. If he did it again, <laughs> what do you what do you do when you're the Eagles? <laughs> Do you do you trade Carson Wentz? Like what happens? <laughs> well, honestly, the the actual thing that people have been reporting is upper management has said if if that were to happen, okay, the their plan is to try to sign Nick Foles immediately to a one year deal and trade him, uh, so they uh, can get more value to help Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz is their future to them, and I don't think they're wrong in that. No, I don't think they're wrong in that at all. But also, I wouldn't be afraid to pay Nick Foles if he can just keep bringing Super Bowls home to Philadelphia. <laughs> I don't, I, just, I don't understand. If Carson Wentz plays the regular season, and then as soon as they get to the playoffs, all right, Foles, you're in. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. I don't, I don't. It, they've got the weirdest like Jalen Hurts to attack of Iloa situation going on in Philadelphia. Where you've got one guy who will just throw up some good numbers but won't win the games, and then he'll come down with some mysterious injury, and then his backup, who's been just sitting on the sideline wearing a baseball cap and holding a clipboard, just being like, "I can't wait to start winning games for this team," comes in and 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 all of a sudden makes him contenders again. The guy threw for over 400 yards in the second start this season. I don't understand what happens to Nick Foles like when he comes in because Nick Foles as a starting quarterback wasn't that good. No, but it was like he got a, he 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 was almost out of the league, and then he got a job to back up Carson Wentz, and and now all of a sudden he's he's like, cool, I'll be the best backup quarterback in the history of the NFL. And this is <laughs> he's like Matt, he's like he's like Matt Flynn who like he he's. <laughs> Nick Dude. Foles will be the first quarterback in history to be a backup quarterback. Like and get in the Hall of Fame as a backup quarterback, <laughs> dude. He will be because the thing that I think about is Nick Foles is the only guy who at one time had a 99 overall Madden card because he threw seven <laughs> touchdowns in one game. Who then mm-hmm. could not play in the league because of Chip Kelly and then Jeff Fisher and then pretty much the whole league ran him out and then he was all said and done and then Philadelphia calls him up and says, "Hey." We want to bring you back. Sorry for the whole Brian Kelly incident. Why don't you sit back here, make a couple million behind our uh, new stud, Mr. Wentz, and we'll see what happens there. And now the man is getting a statue enshrined. And if he goes all the way again, they're going to have to build a second shrine. And I don't know what you do because the only thing Philadelphia produces is Philly cheesesteaks. What else can they give him? What other special, Brian? What other special? I mean, they could... They can go ahead and just build something right next to Constitution Hall, like where they made the Constitution. Just put Nick Foles, <laughs> like build his own Constitution Hall. Can he Hall be etched in into the Liberty Bell? Yeah, they just put his name on the Declaration of Independence. And oh, call my it a gosh. Day. <laughs> I mean, oh I, I'm, I'm not opposed to it if he brings another Super Bowl home to Philadelphia. But here's here's the other thing that I'm thinking about is that do you know what Doug Peterson's job in the NFL was before he retired and became a coach? He backed up Brett Favre. So, like, I'm just thinking about the fact that Doug Peterson was like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers backed up Brett Favre and then became the best quarterback in the league. He's like, I'm going to give somebody the opportunity to do that. And then he called up Nick Foles. Because it could have been – I mean, it could have been anybody. It could have been Kevin Cobb for all I care about. Kevin Cobb could have been the, the next Nick Foles. Or Matt Flynn. And, <laughs> 
Or Matt Flynn. And Matt Flynn could have got the job. Oh, it would have been really great if it was McCown, though. (laughs) Josh McCown or Luke McCown? Josh. Oh, okay. There's two McCowns. Don't forget. I know, but But, the QB, the good QB. The good QB, right. Serviceable. But... But I will I will 100% say that that something about Nick Foles as a quarterback makes the Eagles win, and I I'm 100% going to go with history here and say the Eagles are going to get the win over the Bears, uh, and I I think it's going to be a super low scoring game though I don't know if it's I don't know if it's going to be a high I think it's going to be defensive battle I'm I, I'm, I'm going to go like this is going to be a snoozer like a 10 to three win for the Eagles. All right. Well, that <laughs> gosh, I love that we both picked the Eagles. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I hope everyone was shocked by that because I, I really know. hope that we don't get the Lucas College Football Playoff treatment. Oh my gosh, here we go. I'm here really wait. I'm really hoping. I'm really hoping this doesn't happen. Well, we're gonna <laughs> just have to wait and see, and then on Monday we'll uh, get to talk about our disaster or our genius. So. <laughs> Sadly for me, did I we got agree to... on every game. Did we agree on every game but Colts Texans? Yes, yes, we did. Well, that works. So the one that really matters is Colts Texans. <laughs> okay, well, let's see what happens. Yep, we'll we'll see. So that is uh, everything that I wanted to talk about on today's show, Brian. I'll give you the floor. Anything that you want to quickly talk about before we wrap up today's show? Uh, parting thoughts. I just want to say about the Kentucky win over Penn State that uh, I gave a great prediction for that game. Um, not because of the final score, not because of the fact that that uh, that I, I thought the game was going to be close, not because I picked Kentucky to win, but because I predicted that Lynn Bowden was going to return a touchdown, uh, whether it be a punt or a kickoff. I correctly predicted that Lynn Bowden was going to get a touchdown from the return game, and he did. It was the first score Kentucky had. So you bet your tail that I was hooting and hollering when I heard that Lynn Bowden returned a touchdown. So that's all I got to say, is that I'm the greatest I'm the greatest uh, prediction person of all time because I not only do I predict the uh, final scores, but I also predict how they get to the final score. So that's all I'm saying. You you would be make the closing thought solely about you showing off and bragging about your luck. Well, <laughs> listen, skill. that wasn't luck. That was 100% skill. And it was oh no coincidence. God. That was the first touchdown Kentucky had. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm the king of predicting final scores. So. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, what a great way to end today's show. I won't blame <laughs> any of y'all if you had already turned it off after that. Um, as Brian does what he does best in, uh, stroking his own ego, but, Oh, just wait, okay. just wait until, just wait until <laughs> Urban Meyer takes the USC job. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're going to be all over that. Oh my gosh. That, that'll be bad, but you heard it here first on January 4th. Uh, 2019 that in 2021 or 2022 Urban Meyer will be the head coach of USC as told to you by Brian Goins. You better save that take because I, I will be sending that. I'll be trying to get my resume sent in to ESPN and it won't even be a resume. It'll just be that clip. <laughs> just <laughs> there you go. Hire me. Yeah. hundred percent. I predicted Urban Meyer was going to take this job. I deserve a job at ESPN. That's that's crazy. All right. So that that is a perfect way to end today's show. Not nothing better than a full 
dose of Brian today. Uh, you got all of the different ranges of his. So I think everybody should be fully content and fully served because this was a great show and I appreciate everybody listening. Um, please make sure to go online and follow everything Double Technical. Follow Brian at, uh, is it Brian Gowen's DT? Brian Goins DT, that okay. is correct. So follow him there. Also make sure to follow Michael McCarthy at Mick underscore McCarty. Um, and then, you know, follow Double Technical everywhere. I already said that, yada, yada, yada. Um, so great way to end the show. <laughs> so, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and then also use code Double Technical at SeatGeek. So save $20 off your first ticket purchase. So I hope everyone has a fantastic weekend. Uh, check out the NFL games and follow along with our updated scorecards to see if Brian or not or I or neither of us which I don't think that's possible well I guess it is possible on three of the games for neither of us to be right um and I'm also going to include Michael's pick uh he sent those to us uh via text so I'll also put that on the scorecard so everyone can know what he's predicting uh and he is uh, definitely not a, does not claim to be an NFL expert, so I, I cannot wait to see uh, his. I have not looked at them yet, so that'll be interesting to see if it compares or con- contrasts with yours and I's picks, Brian. So it'll be interesting. But also the uh, the 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 SeatGeek the, the SeatGeek uh, deal, the the twenty dollars off. I I would go ahead and use that for uh, for just go ahead and use it for the tickets for the twenty twenty one opener for Urban Meyer's return game when he coaches at USC. <laughs> oh my gosh. Shut up. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm, this has been going on too long, so I'm going to end this show. Thank you again, Brian, for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope everyone has a fantastic weekend, and I will talk to you all on Monday. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>